Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the I am the one who knocks edition. This week, we're explaining what the rift between state house Republicans is all about, whether a plan to make it harder to amend Ohio's constitution is coming back, why Attorney General Dave Yost found himself in a little bit of hot water over pensions, and the big priority bill dropped this week by the Ohio Senate. Joining me today is reporter Laura Bischoff. Welcome to the show on this surprisingly rainy day. Hello, hello. So our first topic is, yet again, the surprising speakers race and the fallout here in Ohio. So last week, a group of 22 Republicans and 32 Democrats got together to pick Ohio's Speaker of the House. This was unusual because the GOP has a super, super majority. They hold 67 of the 99 seats in that chamber. Basically, they didn't need Democratic support at all. But those 22 Republicans didn't want to go with Derek Marin, the guy Republicans unofficially decided upon back in November. So I guess you could kind of say they went rogue. And the 45 who stayed with Derek, they weren't happy about this. And this week, that group of people got together for their own separate meeting and declared themselves the Republican Majority Caucus. Here's Derek explaining in his own words what that means. Who is the leader of the House Republican Caucus? Well, I, I'm the leader of the House Republicans. Who is Jason? Ste- How does Jason Stevens feel? Well, J- Jason Stevens uh, is the Speaker of the House. You know, what's interesting is is um, this fight between Marin and Stevens for control of the Republican caucus is really going to gum up the works, I think, as the legislature tries to put together a state budget, tries to do the transportation budget, moves forward on initiatives, you know, big and small. I think it's going to be, it could prove to be a massive distraction for legislating. Yeah. And it's a question of like, who do you call? So like, I asked the Senate president about this. So like, if you want to get something passed, do you call Derek? Cause he's got 45 votes. Do you call Jason Stevens? Cause he's got 22. And theoretically, I guess he could work to bring the other 45 on. And you know, Matt Huffman was like, it's not a question of, do I call him or him? But like, how do I get it done? And I often call lots of people, but it is, it is, that is complicated. Right. And I think that, um, you know, the Stevens group will team up with the Marin group as they see fit. Um, oh yeah. They're not necessarily all going to be lockstep, and we're not going to have three different factions. We do have three factions in the House, but I don't think that they're always going to be working at odds. But they'll be working at odds in enough instances where, like I said, it's going to gum it up. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that this is really kind of like a an extension of the fight over the speakership, which has been going through different iterations for the last four or five years. Um, you know, Cliff Rosenberger resigned in April. Um, it'll be five years this April. And then there was a big um, fight over who was going to who was going to be the interim speaker, and um, there was a kind of a Larry Householder proxy running against Ryan Smith. There were like eleven rounds of voting, and there was a fifty-five day delay and all this stuff. And and Ryan Smith came out on top there. Um, Smith thought he had the votes, um, and Larry Householder ended up um, cutting a deal with the Democrats back in January 2019, and he captured the speaker's position. And so then again, you know, fast forward a year and a half, and Householder was arrested and stripped of his speakership. So it is this uh, Marin Stevens fight is, like I said, kind of a continuation, like the latest chapter in the sad, sad saga. 
Yeah, and I think it's sort of a reflection of the like control that Republicans have in Ohio. So a 67-member majority is like a super, super majority. And I think there's this idea, at least among some Republicans, is they have both chambers. They have the governor. They have all the statewide offices. They have the state Supreme Court. They sort of feel like they, they own everything. And the idea of compromising or not getting everything or not running, say, a, you know, personhood amendment that bans all abortion from conception or like the most hardline of hardline legislation, they sort of see like, why do we have to compromise? We have it all. And that's sort of the faction. Like they're fighting amongst themselves, basically. Absolutely. And I think that the, the no compromise approach is really going to hamstring them at some point. Our second topic is Ohio's state constitution and how we make changes. Derek and his Republican majority caucus want to make it harder to amend our state's governing documents. So right now you need 50% of voters plus one to amend the constitution, and their proposal would raise that to 60%. It would also do some other things like restrict the cure period, which is the time you get to fix signatures. Like if someone didn't update their voter registration, so the state thinks the address they put on your ballot on your little form is incorrect. But like base, the big change would be going from 50 plus one to 60. You know, it's interesting under Ohio's constitution, which I think was passed in like 1910 or 1912, you know, the people have enormous powers uh, through the state initiated statutes constitution state or citizen initiated constitutional amendments the right to referendum so they can really act as a check against the lawmakers if the lawmakers fail to act on certain things like casino gambling or minimum wage or whatever you know people have the right to take to the streets sign get petition signed and put it to a, a big vote and this is um this would be a dramatic departure for the first time in more than a century and there's a big question about the timing of this so if they want it on the may ballot say perhaps before other uh, constitutional amendments like on abortion, say, would come up in November. To get it on the May ballot, they've got to get it sent out and done by February 1st. And that's, that's, oof, that timeline, it's pretty tight. Like, the House still doesn't even have, like, a leadership team in place. It doesn't have committee chairs or a schedule. And to get it through all the hearings, get it to the floor, get it over to the Senate, get it out in the three weeks that we have left when we still don't have a schedule from the House. I'm not saying it's impossible, but that feels like a tough lift. Yeah, I mean, if the leadership were all, you know, kind of cohesive, I could see it much more likely. But I think, again, this speaker fight is going to really gum it up. Our third topic is about something we call double dipping. This is where you retire and collect your public pension while still working as like usually an elected official. So basically you get your pension and a salary. And apparently Attorney General Dave Yost has done this. The practice is legal. More than 12,000 Ohioans did it in 2018, according to reports, but it can raise a few eyebrows. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sit well with um, with taxpayers who feel like they really are getting, get, you know, they're getting this, they're, they're paying twice for the same work from this person. It is legal. And, you know, Ohio has five public pension systems. Generally speaking, public employees do not pay into the social security system. So this is their main retirement. But there has been a lot of pushback against double dipping. It is very popular though. Yeah. Cause you get a pension and you get a salary. Right. You know, um, Ohio did do pension reform about a decade ago that made it so that people had to work longer um, and reach a older age before they were eligible for full retirement. So at least the double dipping isn't happening as soon as it had been. 
And one thing I actually didn't know about Dave Yost until I read this article is that he got his start in politics in Delaware, which is where I live. So Yost served on Delaware City Council and then went down to be his county prosecutor. I was like, I didn't know that the guy started like in my backyard. Yeah, he lives in the Columbus area now, though. Our fourth and final topic is the big priority of Senate Republicans this year, changing who is in charge of Ohio's public education system. I kind of wanted the lead of my story to be, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, because this was a bill that the Senate pushed hard to pass in the final days and really final hours of last year's session. It would rename the Ohio Department of Education and restructure it too, taking control over most education policy from a partially elected state board and giving it to a new director who would be appointed by Governor Mike DeWine. And... You know, Huffman really wanted it last year. It sounds like he still really wants it this year. I guess we'll see if he gets it. You know, this is something that uh, governors, you know, DeWine, John Kasich, George Voinovich, they all wanted this as yeah, well. Yeah, DeWine this wants is, it now too. Yeah, it's been on the on the wish list for the governor for the last several who've sat in that chair. Yeah, and to kind of circle back a little bit to our first topic, like Stevens, spe- new speaker Stevens, did vote for this in lame duck, but Marin did not. And some of that was more like process, that they didn't have enough time to hold their own here hearings and make amendments and read through this bill. So some of those process questions may resolve themselves given that they have more time. We have a two-year General Assembly instead of like the two to three weeks that we had at the end of session. But it will be interesting to see how like Marin as a no and Stevens as a yes, how that dynamic works itself out in this legislation. But no matter who runs the state school board, you're still going to have to do your homework. (laughs) And one more thing before you go. You've probably seen a lot of OPE podcasts pop up in your feed this week. They're part of an awesome special series we've been working on for months about former House Speaker Larry Householder. That's the guy who's about to go on trial for Ohio's largest public corruption scandal in history. Laura will be covering part of the trial in person along with our colleague, Jesse Balmer. And I'm going to let you explain all the wonderful podcasts that you and Jesse prepped together. Well, we did kind of like the building blocks of um, the case. Uh, you know, what is bribery? What is dark money? What is the PUCO? And we got experts in studio with really us. Really good experts, like former federal prosecutors, FBI agents. These aren't like... Yeah, like these guys know... Elite know, experts. <laughs> yeah, they know what they're doing. So um, we got them in, in, in studio to kind of walk us through the basic building blocks of it. In online and in print, we're also going to have, you know, profiles of key players. You know, who is this person? Who is that person's stories? Timelines, kind of like overarching stories that explain what's going on, what you need to know. So I really encourage people to check out what we have posting now. And then also, like you said, uh, Jesse Ballmer and I will be covering the trial down in Cincinnati in U.S. District Court before Judge Tim Black. It's expected to last four to six weeks, and we will be bringing you the highlights and the big moments and letting you know what you need to know each week. And let's just keep in mind, this is such a big story. You know, the, the allegation is that it has like such big numbers. So one is $61 million. That's how much bribes were allegedly paid. Another big number is $4.5 million. That's the number of customers that were on the hook to pay the extra money passed through the nuclear bailout bill that is the subject of this entire thing. $1.3 billion. That's the value of the subsidies that were supposed to go to the, to the utilities. That's how much that $4.5 million we're going to pay over, by the end Over of seven yeah. years, right. Five hundred. This involves a Fortune 500 company that is based in Akron, Ohio. And then one out of three is another big number. And that's one of the big three political you know, people are on trial. Larry Householder, he had one of the most powerful political positions in state government. 
Yeah. And if you guys want to follow along with the trial, like we'll have all the digital coverage on any of the newspapers in our network, but we're also going to have a special podcast for you every Monday morning. It's going to be even shorter than this one. We're going to try, but it's going to catch you up on what happened in the court that week, what to expect in the following week upcoming. So Monday mornings, look for that wherever you get your podcasts. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Lancaster Eagle Gazette.